0: Monster May. For anybody new to the show, Monster May is the time of year where every Wednesday I will bring forth a new cryptid, cryptozoological uh, segment. We'll talk about it, and then we'll, we'll move on with this show. I, I like to talk about cryptozoological uh, uh topics we don't we we dabble a little bit here and there we'll talk about bigfoot or dogman uh but this is not a straight ahead crypto zoological show when news comes up we talk about it but for the month of may uh every week we're going to bring in something new for everyone and with what i have today i'm going to see if i can tie it in to the larger picture not just focus on some, some confined Bigfoot sightings or, or dogman sightings and, and be done with it. I think I'm going to try to uh, give a, a big picture kind of view of what may be going on and come up with some theories and thoughts, and, uh, and then we will discuss as a class together, and we'll all have writing, writing assignments at the end of each episode, and you will be graded. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because there is a sales contest going on today.
1: Starting tonight, we're having a little sales contest. That's right.
0: We'll see who's, uh, who's the best one out there. And tonight, we're going to be talking about fairies. Fairy folk and elves. Now, I know, Cratchit, you might be saying, well, when you think about cryptozoological creatures and strange creatures, you immediately probably think of the Loch Ness Monster. That's the big one. That's, the, that's one of the big boys. Uh, Bigfoot is another... Huge. Uh, he's the granddaddy of them all. Pretty, pretty much everyone knows uh, about the story of Bigfoot at this point. It's bullshit. It's not bullshit. It's a real thing. But that's oh right, right there. That's uh, Peter Kane, dog walker, who has his own Bigfoot experiences. Um, and most uh, I I would gather most people probably think fairies is something that is more uh, aligned with a uh, mythology and legends in Europe and don't maybe. Maybe they don't really uh, throw them in the the category of, of zoological creatures. But I am, for the sake of argument today, I am going to throw them in there. And so we will start talking about fairies. One of the places on this planet Earth that still believes in fairies is. Iceland. You might not know this, but uh, Iceland and a lot of countries in Northern Europe have a long and storied history of, of dealing with fairies and elves. This is part of their culture, and it is acknowledged. It's nothing that they're ashamed about either. They, they're pretty, uh, pretty much out in the open about it, and they acknowledge, uh, I don't know, they, they believe. I don't know how hardcore they believe, but they definitely acknowledge the possibility now, uh, so much so that I'll bring up this headline here. And this headline is Icelanders protest a road that would disturb ferries. Now, for the hardcore out there, this might not be anything new to you. But I'm going to see if I can kind of build a bit of a narrative here when it comes to uh, the, the, the ferries. And I'll, I'll read down uh, a little bit of this. In Iceland, ferries are a big deal. Such a big deal that in the past few months there have been protests to stop a road that might disturb them. The new route would slice through the Tanes Peninsula near uh, Reykjavik. And the protesters say that the elves live amongst the rocks that would be disturbed. This might seem odd for a a modern nation like Iceland, but most countries have some sort of supernatural superstitions. Like in New Jersey with the Chupacabra, that's what this article is saying, I... I believe that is commonly referred to as the Jersey Devil, and then goes on to say uh, the South has Bigfoot, Iceland has fairies. Ryan Jacobs at the Atlantic spoke to one of the protesters, and he had this to say: Though John Steer, the person in the in the article, though John Steers believe uh, belief in elves may sound extreme, it is fairly common for Icelanders to at least entertain the possibility of their existence. In one 1998 survey, 54% of Icelanders say they believe in the existence of elves. That poll was fairly consistent with other findings with the quantitative fieldwork, according to an academic paper published in in the year 2000 titled The Elves' Point of View by Vladimir Hofstein, who is now a a folklore statistic professor at the University of Iceland. If this was just one crazy lady talking about Invisible Friends, it'd be really easy to laugh at that, he said. But we have plenty of people through, uh, through hundreds of years talking about the same thing. It's beyond just two crazy ladies. It's part of our nation. And this is a common thing for them to acknowledge that these elves and fairies live among rocks and boulders and that they will build roads around giant boulders so they don't have to blow them up they will make construction whether it's a building or a new football field or anything like that they will divert it around these these natural, uh, natural boulders so they don't disrupt the the environment and they think it's bad luck and if they happen to do it bad luck will befall them It goes on to say, in fact, when Jacobs asked uh, the Icelandic road and coastal administration about the elves, they provided a five page standard reply, one that they have one that they have at the ready since the question is so common, quote, it will not answer the question of whether the the people uh, and the employees of the Icelandic road and coastal administration do or do not believe in elves and the hidden people because opinions differ greatly on this issue and it tends to be a rather personal matter. Now, this article didn't really cover uh, some of the other more interesting things that, uh, that were going on, but in this particular article, when they're referencing the building of a road, it was to either move or displace a rock known as the Church of the Little People, which was at the center of an eight-year battle to stop the road being built uh, over, this, uh, over this landscape. And from all accounts that I, I have read, that, that the protests were successful, at least not necessarily stopping the road, but diverting it. Um, and it goes on to say that um, elves contacted me in 2012 and pleaded with me to protect their chapel, says the self proclaimed uh, seer who runs the Elf Garden, a fairy tale park of lava rocks near. The city. They told me to talk to the the mayor and see if he would halt the road. There you go. Um, so at this point, they're conflating and they're basically saying elves and fairies in the same sentences, and they're they're very interchangeable um, at, at this point. Uh, basically, little people is what they're suggesting that they are, and so. When it comes to what exactly um, fairies are, I'll read down some descriptions of some how do you uh, approach a fairy or how do you know a fairy is in your presence, um, when is the best time to see a fairy, and what can you do as a person, a modern person like we are, to maybe uh, see a fairy or interact with them. So I'll I'll read down uh, just a brief list here. And, uh, Kretchen, I'll put you up on the big screen so you can... Do your, your thing with the, the gifts and uh, the images. So, signs of a fairy approaching or being in its presence. So, here it is. Number one sudden, uh, sudden unexplained trembling or whispering of the leaves. Number two, dust devils or whirlwinds. Three, unexplained bending of the grass. Four, goosebumps. Five, unexplained rippling of the water. Six, extreme silliness or laughter. Well, then there's fairies in this podcast because we like to get silly and we like to have laughter time. And number seven, unexplained loss of time. That's a common one, not just with fairies, but with a lot of other paranormal activities, uh, especially UFOs. So when is the best time to, uh, to see a fairy? Dawn, dusk, noon, midnight, and equinoxes. Now, you'll see some parallels here. Uh, For fans of the Missing 411 uh, topic with fairies and uh, time, times that uh, people go missing, and uh, also some other anomalies. So for Missing 411, people most likely go missing right around dawn or dusk. Now, what are some of the best places for you to see a fairy or interact with a fairy or elf? Uh, you can interact with them where streams divide, where roads intersect, shores, fences, or hedge borders, uh, bends in a road, stairwells, landings, or hallways, tidal pools, or where the flatland becomes forest. So anywhere there's, like a I guess, a drastic change in uh, topography is where you'll find a ferry. That's where they, they like to scurry about and live. So at this point, you might be asking, well, how can I interact with a fairy? I'm like, what can I do as a human to interact with a fairy uh, and have them be in my presence? Well, there's a few things you can do. And these are all listed uh, in the links of description of this podcast. Uh, a lot of these come out of the uh, a book that I was just perusing. And I'll post that in the link. It's called Enchantments of the Fairy Realm. Communicate with uh, nature spirits, and elementals. So here's a list of things you can do to help you engage with fairies. And then we're going to move on to some other topics concerning fairies. Number one, spend more time in nature. Two, meditate while you're surrounded by trees. Three, have plants or flowers in your house. Four, don't abuse nature. Five, involve yourself in a creative activity like uh, art. Uh, so the, the, according to this, the, the process of you getting in your creative mindset is uh, beneficial to attracting fairies and elves. Uh, number, uh, number six, leave an area on your property to grow wild. Basically, you're setting aside a little piece of property for them to do uh, what they will. Number seven, be generous. Be generous in your dealings with others. Number eight, place a sea urchin on your mantle. Number nine, sing and sing often. All those things will help you attract these uh, fairy spirits or elves. I guess it's kind of conflated uh, because they're they're such a kind of like a, a mystical kind of of entity. You might be able to think of them as a, a spirit. Uh, they have various uh powers. Um, so I'll read down some of their their list of powers here. Because, like, hey, you're a fairy, so you're a small creature. What else you got? What else can you do for me? Well, these fairies and elves do have certain powers. And these powers are the power to glamour, which is um, if you're any if anybody out there's a fan of like role playing games. Uh, and any sort of like vampire lore. Vampires have the power of glamour, which um, it's an ability. It's almost got, I don't necessarily say mind control, but it's a a, a type of uh, hypnotic suggestion, which you're forcing a person to see what you want them to see. So in this instance, people see what the fairies want them to see. Uh, Number two, they have a power of levitation. Uh, Number three, invisibility. Number four, shape-shifting. Number five, the ability to bestow good or bad luck. Number six, they are great craftsmen. Number seven, great musicians. Number eight, control over the weather, another little hallmark of Missing 411. Number nine, great healing ability. And number 10, ability to instill sleep or altered states in others. Also kind of uh, a missing 411 hallmark right there. And if you guys followed uh, uh, David Pilatus' work on missing 411, he will often reference the the fairy folk in some of the things that, that he researches, whether it's uh, uh, picking berries out in the woods or um, where people go missing, which is uh, quite a lot of them go missing around l- large boulder fields uh, that are granite in nature. Uh, or by streams and rivers, which is where fairies like to hang out and gallivant. I don't know what they like to do over there. They're probably playing Twister or Monopoly. We don't really know yet. That does not really talked about. So there are like a ton of different resources on fairies. I, ha- I don't think I, w- I will go into fairy abduction, but that's a, a thing that has been uh, talked about. And there's a lot of stories throughout uh, time, especially over there in Europe, where... People, mostly children, um, there are reports that children that are taken and the ones who have returned, they will have a story about being taken by the little people. Uh, There's a lot of different stories out there about that. I'm not going to go into anything specific. I just want to mention that as an aside because that also is kind of a missing 411 profile point. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that uh, the Missing 411 uh, phenomenon is directly related to fairies. There's just some interesting little coincidences there. Uh, I will talk about two, maybe one or two little uh, stories here about people's interactions with fairies. Uh, I always find like personal uh, testimonies to be quite fascinating when it comes to fairies. Um, I know one of our listeners, uh, I asked him to possibly call in. I believe it was uh, Starfish. Uh, he's done a lot of research on fairies, and uh, I'm not sure how he views them. In the book that that I, I'll hold it up here. The book that I've just kind of perused. You know, when it comes down to what their intentions are, it's kind of like you get out what you put in. If you have bad intention, you're probably going to have a bad experience. You have good good intentions, you're going to have a good experience. Uh, when it comes to the intelligence level. Of oh, fairies, um, there's a wide range. File uh, accounts, not unlike human intelligence, it's just a bit different. So, when it comes to interactions with uh, fairies, there, there's a, there's a few that um, that I would like to kind of go over with you. There's some of them, like a lot of the stories that I found. They can, they're quite goofy. You know, on the surface, they're like. How is, this, how is this even a, like a real thing? But these are uh, testimonies, and um, we're just going to take it for what it is because a lot of this stuff, it, it does seem goofy on the surface, but I think that there is something else going on here, and we'll, we'll discuss that here in a little bit. So this one is called Lords of the Dance. One day in August of 1862, David Evans and Evan Lewis were on their way back from Brecken, Wales, with a load of timber, and headed to New Quay. They stopped, at a, uh, stopped for a rest near a farm called Cradwell. As they watched the reapers work in the fields, Evans spotted a line of 50 or so figures going up and down the hill about 370 meters away. As Evans pointed, as Evans pointed out the group to Lewis, the first, uh, the first of the figures reached the top of the hill and started to dance. Soon, all the figures had reached the top of the hill were dancing together in a large circle. As Evans and Lewis watched, the figures, the figures danced closer and closer to the center of the circle in a spiral pattern. As each figure reached the center of the circle, they disappeared into the ground. After all had vanished in this fashion, they reappeared the same way, one by one, and danced another round before vanishing back into the hill in the same manner. This time, they did not reappear. Evans and Lewis told the first person that they ran into on the road about this, an old man, about what they had seen and asked if he knew who the dancers could have been. He had no idea himself, but he didn't mention that his grandfather, grandfather had once stated that fairies used to dance in the area. Dancing fairies. Very curious. And there's just a lot of like little, um, little stories like that um, that you can find. Um, and they're all very interesting. They're all very interesting. And I find them, uh, kind of compelling. Um, I know, uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there were a series of pictures that came out, uh, purporting to be, uh, fairies. I think those have since been, you know, th- uh, disproven or proved to be, uh, hoaxed images. Very well done, but for the time, but, uh, they were uh, pictures of little ornaments, if I remember, remember correctly. But over time, you know, it was this, the belief in fairies was fairly common and widely believed. It's only within, uh, I would say, what, the past uh, maybe 150, 200 years where it become less and less likely you'd, you'd run into somebody that would believe in fairies, besides the large group of people in Iceland and Northern Europe, which is still part of their culture, still part of their belief system. And they, uh, they go so far as to ask for permission to build roads and, uh, and ask for permissions to do certain construction projects. Um, So much so like they'll, they'll go to the length and take some of the little points that I read through. They will leave a patch of land that they bought. And that, that patch is dedicated for, fair use. So how does this parallel to anything else? I believe like this is all some a part of some sort of managed reality. And I'll I'll talk about that here in a second. But I've been watching the Skinwalker series on on the History Channel, which is really fascinating, by the way. Very fascinating. And one of the things about Skinwalker Ranch that is just kind of said over and over again is that if you dig on the land at Skinwalker Ranch, bad stuff is going to happen to you. Um, if you start poking around and start messing with the environment, bad things, health-wise, will happen to you. Uh, in this newest series, Like it, it seems as, as though one guy has been kind of targeted, uh, that uh, he's, he's security on the ranch, and he has come down with massive headaches over and over again, uh, and uh, fluid buildup, in his skull, which can be life threatening. The 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 previous owners, we're talking two owners ago, uh, the Gormans, when he signed over the deed to the land to uh, Robert Bigelow, it was in the deed that you shouldn't dig on the land. It's kind of written down there. Uh, bad, and it, it is stated bad things will happen. And, but the Gormans tried to do it anyways by digging new. Uh, fence poles, uh, and by and having ditch diggers out there, but all their, uh, their, their equipment would be moved or destroyed. Whatever was there did not want them to manipulate the property. Now, it's never gone into whether or not they even asked permission to do so. Like going out into the, into the land and say, hey, would you mind if I build here? I know it sounds bizarre to do, but I think in order to safeguard yourself, why not? Why not just ask for permission to the, the spirits of, of nature if you can build there? Uh, that hasn't been tested yet. Uh, and that's not being tested currently in the newest uh Skinwalker series. And I, I, I there's, there's a parallel there. I don't know if there's like some sort of fairy connection there. I just think it's um some sort of supernatural intelligence and with all the abilities of the fairies it, it basically it could be anything like the it seems like the name fairy or elf is a placeholder for a bunch of different phenomena, intelligently controlled phenomenon they can they, they have shape-shifting abilities i mean they can levitate they basically have almost godlike ability and but in northern europe they're called fairies I'm sure in the, in the Middle East and in, in India, they might be referred to as jinn. Probably the same kind of thing going on there. At Skinwalker Ranch and in Native American lore, it might be considered skinwalker, but the skinwalker is something that is considered, I believe, widely uh, evil in nature. And uh, it does harm. But with the fairies uh, and the elves, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Some good. Some not. It just depends on how you approach them. Uh, what, what kind of puzzles me about some of the Skinwalker stuff that's going on now, and um, I'm sure I'll do a rundown at some point in time, is that um, they're, they're approaching it from a scientific standpoint, and which is all well and good because you want to get the scientific community behind you. You've got you to run these tests. You have to make sure everything is documented and is repeatable in a certain way. So that when you present your findings to the public, uh, you're not drummed off. You're not laughed away. But they really should. They should implore or uh, get some people out there or, or, uh, or uh, I guess, impose or try to do some of these techniques like meditate. Try to, uh, try to do some of those simple techniques uh, to see if they work or if it generates any sort of reaction but they're not doing it, or ask permission to do certain things because they, these guys are going out there just doing measurements. They're bringing out their equipment. They're not asking permission to do, do so, and their equipment's breaking down. All their batteries are dying. One guy is, uh, is getting injured with a, with a swelling on the brain. The other guy, the guy who's actually hosting the show, Travis, got dosed with a massive amount of radiation, and he doesn't know how or why. I don't think that... Uh, the, the stories and legends of fairies uh, over there in England and in Iceland are, are disconnected from what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch. And that everything that's happened over the years to kind of gear us away from the possibility of these supernatural and paranormal things is managed to a certain degree. Yeah, it seems far-fetched and, and a bit crazy, but is it any crazier than what most religions believe nowadays? Scientology, Christianity, Islam is it any, is it any different or any crazier? No, it's just we've we're been we've been managed to just believe in certain things, but not all these other things. And for what reason, other than control and control of our imagination? That's when I see it as, as a as a as a big control factor here. Um, same with Bigfoot. Now, uh, Bigfoot very well documented. I'll probably talk about that on a on a future uh, uh I don't know if it's I don't know if Bigfoot's worthy of a Monster May, but Dogman certainly is. Um, and those that's my kind of my my die tribe uh on uh, fairies. What's do you, you have any thoughts on fairies?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh I think they've much of what we think of them now is colored by Walt Disney. Yes. Uh, in the last probably 50-60 years. I'm thinking. When you started talking about my, my first thought went to um, you know the, the the traditional folk tales. I mean, you you hear uh, Mike McNola brought a lot of that back in recent uh, comics and art. I don't know if anyone reads any of his stuff, but he's got some interesting takes on traditional um, uh, on, on traditional fairy folk. Uh, heck, um, you, I'm glad you did mention the 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 fairies do on occasion. You know, they're they're thought of uh, on creatures that are stealing children, stealing human children. Uh, Even W.B. Yeats wrote a, uh, um, wrote a poem. She don't know when it was. was The Stolen Child was, it must have been like 1880s, 1890s, Um, you know, which is about a traditional Irish take on fairies coming and tricking children into going into the underworld with them sort of thing. So it's, it it certainly pervades, pervades many cultures. Uh, There's a lot of thoughts as to what these, these, Creatures are and how they interact. Um, uh, I don't think it's anything that's that's going away. And as you said, almost every culture has some take on these. The goblin. Uh, some people so call them the goblin. Well, and, and that's the question. You know, what's the difference between a, a fairy and a pixie and a goblin and a sprite and an elf? And I think depending on your translation and depending on the language and depending on on the source it's they're all similar or related somehow or it's hard to say you know and then from an analytical standpoint say oh these are because people didn't know any better and they would get drunk and people would get lost or something in the woods and well clearly the fairies took them i didn't you know beat my kid to death the fairies took them sort of thing so it's it's you know it's it's hard to say i do find it interesting that iceland apparently still has laws on the books that say if you're gonna start digging, you know, you know, instead of you know, call before you dig, it's ask the fairies before you dig. Pretty um, much. I am curious though that the one woman said that the fairies contacted her mm-hmm. and told them not to not to do construction on her land. I'm curious, did they like call her on the phone or they use an email i mean how are they contacting her
0: i it wasn't uh, determined uh if it's some sort of message that is tangible and physical or if it's through a dream or a telepathy didn't 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 specify in the article not that i read Um, i'd like to think it was a phone call but it one little tidbit in there is that the icelandic road construction authority has employed clairvoyance and other seers to guide them in what should be and shouldn't be built upon and or over. Uh, so that they are on record of employing psychics to help them guide their construction, which is interesting.
1: Now I'm not sure that's, that's, ter- that's terribly different from the way, at least in the U.S. we do it, where you have to go form a blue ribbon committee to go talk to every possible person who might get upset by you building a road or something and going through construction and they have to have, you know, public uh public make make public announcements and have hearings on things and all sorts of stuff. I and mean, how is that any different than let's talk to a psychic and see if we can build here?
0: Yeah, it's not that different. And I th- I think with how do you rationalize the discrepancy between like the gin, the fairy, uh, and skinwalker I think that it is one source of intelligence, um, maybe a few different kind, that they take the form of your subconscious. Whatever your idea is and your your creativity, whatever your mind can wrap itself around, it will use that to present itself to you. Um, And that might explain some abduction scenarios. In the United States, and might explain abduction scenarios in the 1800s in England is that this supernatural intelligence uses your consciousness to manifest what it looks like or how it presents itself to you.
1: If you want to join the Slack or Discord, give us an email at ourbigdumbmouth at gmail.com. Check out obdmpod.com for all the social media and donation links.
0: be a part of the magic